passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Long and Winding Railroad here on Post Wrestling. My name is W.H. Park, and uh, today we are going to do episode, what is this episode? Episode 27. Wow. 27 episodes. That's um, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, we we like to use this show to, to talk about primarily the, the 90s era of all Japan for wrestling. Uh, what I feel is the, the, uh, the pinnacle of in-ring professional wrestling action. But, but today we're, we're going to kind of step out of those boundaries a little, uh, and which we we've done before. Uh, actually last episode, we, we looked at uh, a match from the two thousands with Kojima versus Kawada for the triple crown with Karen Peterson. But today we're going to talk with a returning guest to the long and winding railroad. And that is uh, my good friend here from uh, Vancouver out in the West coast of Canada. It's a independent wrestling sensation, Daniel Makabe, or how, how, how do you pronounce the last name? You're the one, you're the one who lived in Japan for years. So I don't know. Like it's, I, I, it's, it's Makabe, right? But it's like, Makabe, I, right? So like you're the, it, I, I get Makabe all the time. Right. So I like Makabe. I, I, I like kind of thinking you're like the, the illegitimate bastard son of uh, Togi Makabe. <laughs> that's where the name came from. So as I mean, it's not, it's not Maccabee. That's one I've gotten before. That's very wrong for sure. So, <laughs> so that's, that makes uh, me laugh. Sorry. Yeah, no, that makes it sound like it's a Scottish last name, but yeah, no, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Maccabe, Maccabe, Maccabe. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, did we ever, we ever go to Japan? Like yeah. you know, like we're there at the same time. Yeah. We we'll just, we we'll just pretend you're like half Japanese or, or something. And say, yeah. <sighs> I've got stories. I feel really bad because I, I'm, I've had people assume that I am. And I'm definitely not. And, it, and, you know, the name was an inside joke with my friends like 20, right. 20 plus years ago that I did not expect to stick. I probably should have changed it at some point because I don't know. Like, ah, it's fine. It's culturally I, insensitive. No, I, I don't. I but. never thought that. Listen, if anyone's like on about like cultural insensitivity, especially about like Asian stuff, it, it's yeah. me. I, I never thought about it. So I'm like, yeah. oh, it's a cool name. I I don't know if it was an homage. This is the first time I'm learning that's a is kind of a, a it, 
inside joke or an homage to uh, Togi Makabe? It, it 100% was. And you know what? The, the origin of the name was back, uh, I, I mean, even before I trained professionally, me and my friends just horsing around, backyarding, and we were trying to come up with names. And I had just met my friends and joined with their group and was trying to come up with a name. And this was at the point that uh, Shinya Makabe right. was, um, he was a junior. He wasn't quite young boy status anymore. He was like starting to, you know, he was in Best of the Super Juniors. He was teaming with Liger and, and some big like six mans and stuff. Especially like I recall in the, the New Japan versus Osaka Pro feud, there's a really good six man that he's in on the New Japan side. Um so he's getting like a little bit of a rub, but he still has black tights, black boots, very kind of basic um, kind of just um, presentation, right? Right. He hasn't gone off. He went for an excursion later. Actually, I have a friend who was on excursion with him in like England a couple of years later. Um, and then he comes back and does the whole, you know, the Bruiser Brody and the Togi yeah. Makabe and, and the whole thing, right? But at this point, like I think he debuts as a young boy in like 97 or 98. And this is like 2001. And it's like, man, this guy can't get a break. Like, I don't know why I took to him, like, because he really hadn't blossomed to what he would become, but I, I, I kind of liked him. And I thought, is this guy ever going to graduate past the black boots and black tights and the very basic moveset with Boston crabs and body slams and whatever. And I jokingly said with my friends when trying to come up with the names, like, Oh, you might as well, I'm the new guy in town. I'm Daniel Maccabe. I'm I'll be the resident, you know, young boy for our little group. That's fine. And like, oh, that's kind of funny, but you know, that's that's fine for now. I'll think of something else later. And that was in 2001. So, here we are in 2022. Yeah. And and the name stuck with me. So, yeah. yeah, it's cool. I think, I mean, it stands out. No one else has a name like you. So, like in in a, in a in a market that, that's undungeated with like people with the name Austin or, or Ace and, or variations <laughs> of the thing of that. Yes. It's like, okay, you're, you know, something Ace or you're Ace something or you're something Austin or you're Austin something. It's just like, okay, no one's got your name. It's cool. I don't think anyone ever will. So it's all that, good. That That's fair. I actually had someone once joke that if I ever got signed to NXT and I had to come up with a, a different name, I could be Daniel Takayama. But Did, uh, that, that'd be perfect. <laughs> exactly. They'll just bill you as like, oh, he's half Japanese. You know, pro- so. probably would. That would be pretty bad. So <laughs> it would it would kind of be. And then I'd be like, hey, I call I DM you as like, you bet. Don't don't do that. Please yeah. do not do that. Yeah. So. But uh, today, uh, Daniel's here to talk about uh, a match that I, I, I approached him. I said, hey, you haven't been on. I, I, I like to have you back on the show. Um, what match do you want to do? And you were like, oh, can we? Are we just stuck in the '90s? And I said, no, we can we can delve other other eras as well. Like it's up to you. And you picked the match that we're going to talk about today. What match are we gonna are we gonna discuss today? <laughs> I, probably not the match you expected me to pick when I uh, when I said like let's let's do '80s, right? Because uh, I mean, there's so many legendary matches in the '90s, or so many legendary matches in the '80s. Uh, I I don't know if it's just me trying to be like a, a hipster or a contrarian or wanting to pick something that's a little off the beaten path, but uh, we're going to talk about from the 1989 Real World Tag League. It is the team of Genetru Tenru and Stan Hansen versus uh, Giant Baba and Rusher Kimura. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking about this match. I was like, oh, that that is like 
you know, really odd choice because when we think about all Japan work rate, even in, in the eighties, we don't yeah. really think about either Baba, who is of course the founder and promoter yeah. and president of of All Japan for Wrestling, or or Russia Kimura, who especially by eighty nine, he's kind of really, really past his point prime. And he was never really considered that great of a, of a worker, I believe. Like he's more of a character, and he has a lot of charisma, and that and that more propelled of a, him. A, a brawler, a brawler, yeah. Prime, yeah. More so. He was a, he, before all Japan. He was like he was like the 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 main star of a company called IWE in Japan, sure. I believe. Yep. And then uh, he kind of journeymaned around, I think, even in New Japan, and then he finally settled in in all japan pro wrestling and at that point he's basically just kind of the mid-card guy he's even i think starting to do maybe some the you know going into the comedy match realm with uh, which, eric Eigen. which everyone knows him from from the 90s and into the 2000s in noah right yeah. that's what i think everyone would associate with 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 rush kimura but i am familiar with parts of this match when you suggested to me because i had done the finals of this real world tag league which is tenru and hansen versus the olympics which is the team of jumbo suruda and yoshiki yatsu and which is an awesome awesome match but the great thing about that particular match is that it is like almost an hour long this video on youtube because they include clips of pretty much every other match uh that these that the the olympics and uh, tenru and hansen plus some other teams have yeah. in this t- tag league and and one of them is the infamous famous opening spot of this match which is a tenru doing a tope onto giant baba yes and sends him into basically into the guardrail and then everyone's like freaking out oh my god he has destroyed giant baba because giant baba for being a tall man he is actually very um uh like he's not he doesn't have a very sturdy looking frame He's fr- he's frail. I mean, he's frail could, looking. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty frail, and I think that's probably a byproduct of you know his gigantism or, yeah. or whatever. You know, by the time he's shockingly like, I, I showed this match to my girlfriend, and she was like, "How old is he? Like a hundred? And I looked it up, and he was only fifty-one in this match. <laughs> but I mean, he he looks every bit of yeah. yeah. Uh, older. He looks older, much older. Yeah, older, definitely. and he moves older for sure. Um, but this is also a, a bygone era where, you know, p- people in their 50s in the 80s looked a lot older than people in the 50s nowadays do, right? Right. So, yeah. I'm at a testament to that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the big five O next month. So. Are you? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking a bit better than I'm Baba. Oh, well, I'm catching it? up. I'm almost 40, right? So well, there you go. There, there we are. Right. So there we go. It's okay. Um, we both look better than Giant Baba, I'd say. So, I, no offense to Giant. I love Giant Baba, but I no do. offense to him. It's just, 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 just stating a fact. But uh, so I, I've seen like clips, and I was just thinking, how do you, how do you get a good match? Like, because like the team. Let's talk about just Tenru and Hansen. This is like a, this is like a super team. This yeah. is like when, like, if you want to talk about American wrestling in the eighties, yeah. this is like when Dusty Rhodes teamed up with Nikita Koloff. That's that is like superpowers, right? It's the superpowers. It's 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 like Hogan and Savage teaming up. This is like the stature that these two men were on, and they formed this tag team in in '89. And and it was, was, I was like, what? And then, yeah, so like I'm thinking, okay, they're they're gonna have a challenge with some of the other teams in this in this tournament, which I'm gonna list all the teams that were actually in this league because it's it's a pretty interesting like league. I haven't seen all of it. Yeah. There is apparently like on IVP videos, they have 
three discs of this entire this entire tournament that I might eventually uh, get come across, you know, eventually get around to, to, to picking up. If, if I do, I'll, I'll let you know and uh, let share some footage. Maybe if, if that happens, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but maybe yeah, it might happen. But anyways, we're all friends here. Anyways, uh, part of uh, yeah. This, so this match comes out of the, the, the 1989 real world tag league that featured 10 teams. It was held from November 17th to December 6th and was also, not just the training, it was also to decide the, the vacant world tag team titles, which, you know, they tended to, like, vacate the tag team titles tournament time every year. They did that every year till like, 92 or 93. Like, yeah. It was a recurring trend, which I, I, I don't know if I like it or not. I kind of like it, but I kind of feel... I don't know. It's kind of a bummer for the team who has to vacate. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, I always believe, like, a tournament should determine a contender yeah. for a title match on a yeah. big show. Not, yeah. not the the actual championship, unless the, it's already been vacated for other reasons. Correct. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about these teams. So we have Hansen and Tenru. We have the aforementioned Olympics, Saruta and Yatsu. We have Baba and Kimura. We also have the British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid and Dave Boy Smith. But you know, like kind of past his prime, Dynamite Kid just kind of barely holding on at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a hell of a team: Abdullah Butcher and Tiger Jeet Singh. <sighs> Uh, uh, here's a better team. The Can-Am Express, Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. Amazing. Uh, and a very interesting kind of, uh, team here. Kerry Gordy teaming with not Steve Williams. This is before the, the Steve Williams would be his regular tag team partner, but Terry Gordy and wild Bill Irwin of the formerly of the long riders who I used to watch when I was watching like Montreal wrestling. Cause yeah. they worked a lot in the, the Montreal territory. Uh, the the Footloose, Samson Fuyuki, and Toshiaki Kawada, the the Nasty Boys. Believe it or not, the Nasty Boys worked in All Japan for wrestling. Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, and finally the team of the Great Kabuki and Shinji Takano, um, who I don't believe got a lot of points in this. I tag, I can't tag, imagine tag, they did. Tag. I can't imagine the Nasty Boys got a lot of points. No, not, I, not 1989. I imagine they didn't make a lot of friends either. You know, given their. Uh, <laughs> They're, they're kind of reputation that people talk about about them in, in you know, in WWF and WCW. But uh, anyways, this match is from, what's the date again? It is November 29th. 29th. Yep, yeah, 1989. It's from the Nakajima Sports Center in the lovely city of Sapporo in Hokkaido, which I've never been to. I've never been to Hokkaido. There's two places I have on my bucket list for Japan still. Yeah. Even though I lived there for almost 10 years, and that is Hokkaido, and that is Okinawa. But next time I go, I'm going to, I'm just going to do, I'm just, Dan, Dan I'm just going to be there for, for a long time, like a month or something. I'm just going to go to, check, I'm gonna it all off. check it all off. I, Hokkaido I don't know how, I've been wanting to go to Japan since I graduated high school and, uh, and yeah, I still haven't managed to do it and I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in, but, uh, but yeah, one day, one day, but yeah, Hokkaido is the northernmost island, right? Yeah. How, like how far or what's like the travel like to get there from like Tokyo? I think it's just like, it's, it's like a train an a hour, two hours by, by, by plane and maybe oh, okay. five yeah, yeah. hours by bullet train. So, I mean, it's a good thing because the bullet train does go directly there from Tokyo. Yeah. So, um, it's very easy to do. Okinawa is a little bit farther because it's like, you, it's actually a different island. So, you have to kind of cross a, a kind of body of water as well. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the southernmost part of Japan, which is like super hot. 
So yeah. it's either super hot, or you go or either when it's super hot, or no, no, no. Or for Okinawa, it's either you go when it's super hot or when there's typhoons all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Hokkaido is great because it's kind of the climate is more like Canada or yeah. like particularly like here in Ontario. Like it, they get snow and minus, you know, minus degree weather down yeah. there. So it's like I could probably live in Hokkaido. Reminisce. And it's much more comfortable in the summer than most of central Japan, which is like just disgustingly humid and hot that's what i've heard super humid you heard about like some of those g1 tours like in the 90s and like a lot of the buildings don't have air conditioning so yeah i can only imagine what it was like to wrestle in those buildings but now i think probably all those buildings have have air conditioning yeah air conditioning except for sumo hall it has air conditioning but let me tell you from experience the air conditioning in the summer is not good i i will i refuse to ever go back into sumo hall in the summer Winter, no problem. I'll see a show then. Yeah. Summer, you're likely never going to see me no, back in Sumo Hall. No, no G1 Climax. That's no, no. no. Budokan, yeah. no problem. Great air conditioning in that nice. building. And uh, so, yeah, so we're looking at the uh, day 12 of this uh, of this tournament. The attendance is listed on cage match as 4,800. And I can believe it. This crowd is very very vocal and it sounds like very very full in this building and absolutely uh, the heat in this match is unreal and we'll talk about that as as we get into it but i also want to run down this card with you yeah uh, because I, I i i thought it was pretty funny looking card uh to start off our opening match is a singles match where mitsuo momoda defeated siyoshi kikuchi in eight minutes and 43 seconds so kikuchi's kind of still a young boy that would probably be really good. I've actually, I, I recently watched, I almost suggested this. I thought it was too obscure. I watched a Momoda versus Masafuchi junior title match from 1989 recently. That was really good. Like, I'm not even just saying that. It was unbelievably good. But I've been on a huge Masafuchi kicks lately, so. Right. I mean, Fuchi's just, especially when he's still, like, it, this is his prime, basically, yeah. like in the late 80s. He's he's amazing. Uh, another singles match follows. Isamu Taranishi take, defeated uh, Haruka Aigen in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, following that, uh, Mighty Inoue defeated Richard Slinger, the cousin of Terry Gordy, in yep. 7 minutes and 48 seconds. I think Richard Slinger is like one of the few foreigners to, to be entered into the All Japan Dojo. Uh, and train oh, there. Oh, I guess if you count Monokai Lost Man, he's he's definitely yeah, yeah. But he, otherwise, he, okay, yeah, yeah. But this would be before I think Kea. Oh, this is that's way before, way yeah. before. Kea, yeah, um, I can't think of any other ones. I'm, there might be some, but yeah, it's I not, think Tenta did some training. John Tenta. Or, oh, Tenta, Tenta absolutely did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenta yeah, yeah. sure. But I, I think Richard Sling was one of the first ones because of like. You know, probably Terry Gordy got him into the into the dojo. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Masanobu Fuchi defeated Yoshinari Ogawa in 12 minutes, 43 seconds. That would be a good match. Yeah. Because yeah. Ogawa has always been good. Even as a young boy, he's, he's just... He's a, very young here, for sure. But yeah, he's he has been always... He's someone who was, I think, low low rated, especially in the 90s, because he was outshined by you know, the greatest wrestlers of all time being on the same roster as him. Right. So also he's a junior and like, 
Baba never really put a spotlight on junior heavyweight through wrestling in, in his yeah. company. Uh, tag team match. This is interesting. The Nasty Boys defeated Akira Tawe and Kenny Kobashi in 11 minutes and 54 seconds. Interesting. I mean, this is like when both guys are still young. They're both really young, too. Yeah, both really sure. young, yeah. Not in, not in the tournament, obviously. So, uh, Bill Irwin and Terry Gori defeated Isao Takagi and uh, Shinichi Nakano in nine minutes and 50 seconds. And then our uh, our real-world tag league matches are uh, Takano and Kabuki def- uh, with two points, defeated the Footloose of Fuyuki and Kawada, who had three points in 17 minutes and two seconds. Uh, the British Bulldogs defeated Abdullah Butcher and Tiger Jeet Singh in eight minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, the Olympics uh, defeated the Can-Am Express in 18 minutes and four seconds. I, I got to track that down. That would that, be good. That, that would be, be good, right? Good, yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, we're, the match we're going to talk about is our main event, Tenru and Hansen versus Bava and Kimura. Okay, so um, I don't know. With some background, I guess, like, in my notes, I, I kind of talked about this already, that Bava and Kimura way past their primes at this point in history and are usually doing comedy tag matches on the undercard and Tenru and Hans are like this dream super combo for this tournament. But uh, I don't know what, would you have any kind of background information that you dug up for this match? I, I, I don't, I don't really, I just think it's such an interesting dynamic and I wanted to come at things from a little bit of a different perspective from your usual guest on this show. Like, uh, way back when on episode two, I think on the second show was we talked about uh, Kobashi and uh, Kikuchi versus Tawe and Saruda. And I thought for a second, I remember way back when you even said, oh, we should come back and do the, the Kobashi and Kikuchi versus Can-Am's match because that's such a legendary match. I don't think you have you done that yet or I haven't done that yet. I think I think I have someone. Who, who's, mind called, for that. who's called dibs on it. Yeah. Um, I thought about that for a second. I thought, oh, that would be perfect. You know, it's been a couple of years since I've been back and we can talk about that match. It's such a legendary match, but I thought I, I, and I told you, you know, I wanted to talk about some names that you hadn't featured on the show before. And I don't know if you talked about any of these guys on the show, maybe Hanson, but tenders not around in the nineties. And I, I can't imagine Baba or, or Kimura coming up. So no, so with, with Tenru, I, I with with the the primer episode, which was about the formation of the Triple Crown, he's definitely talked about it in that. That but makes sense. Yes, it, it is kind of a shame that you know, like we don't really get to talk about Tenru that much because I love Tenru. I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Yep. And so any excuse actually to talk about Tenru, I, I'm all for it. So, yep. uh, like I was like, yes, and and I've been very very curious about this particular match because it's it is such an interesting pairing and and then you look online and see what other people think and my god people go like crazy with the praise for this match and i was like okay and i'm I'm gonna find i'm like without going kind of reading too deep into why i was like okay this person really liked it they give it 10 10 10 10 on cage match or you know it's like rated this many stars with some other people and i'm like okay let's see what and then i watched it and i was like oh my god i can see why because you know getting ahead of myself a little bit i i think when you watch this match and i would assume most people who who are watching this us talk about it have watched this match it's like this match is like the perfect like textbook like example of how you get heat yeah on 
on on a tag team like and how you get heat on two different members of the same tag team and also at the same time and how you build a hot tag is like my god the hot tag like is just that it's unbelievable because this crowd when the hot tag comes in when the first hot tag comes in this this there's only, there's only one tag there's, there's only one tag, only, right? There's only one hot okay. tag. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, like, like when this hot tag happens, Nakajima's fourth center just goes absolutely crazy. It's unbelievable. It is up there with like some of the biggest pops. Whoa, we just lost Daniel here. Uh, we're we're getting him back here. Okay, you're we're back. Good. We're good. We're good. Uh, it, it's up there with like some of the greatest pops in the history of all Japan. Like you know, like. Misawa beating Jumbo, you know, Kawada finally defeating Misawa, Kobashi winning the triple crown. It's 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 up there. And and it's and we'll talk about why we're gonna we're gonna go through this this match. But um should, yeah, let, we should just go through it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right. I mean I'll just I'll just I'll just kinda lead in and, and say I think it's like the two big stars of like the sixties and the seventies versus maybe the two biggest stars of the eighties. I think that's like an interesting kind of dynamic too that that you get and and yeah well i mean well, well as we talk about it we'll go more into it but i just think stylistically and just formulaically like i think um like pro wrestlers at me myself a pro wrestler uh i could learn a lot from watching this match on on you don't necessarily have to fall into certain formulas and certain tropes when it comes to putting a tag match together no definitely not i mean this thing follows certain tropes is like it's kind of te- i say it's kind of textbook because if you want to study and how to like get heat and yep. if if you're working with like if you are a certain level of a, of a wrestler in terms yep. of skill set and you and you're working with people who might not match you on a level it if you that doesn't matter because these like tenru and hansen just take these guys who are past their primes and kind of limited in what they can do with their mobility and raise them to their level it's unbelievable but but getting into the match we start off with before even the bell rings daniel holy shit jenichiro tenru decides that he's going to like uh you know kind of precursor his eventual departure from all japan (laughs) (laughs) Uh, metaphorically uh, by and doing kind of like uh, waylaying giant baba that way by by toe paying him by doing a tope suicida before the bell rings as giant baba was making his way to the ring, he doesn't doesn't even get on the apron. He's still in his robe. Tenru does a tope through the ro- ropes, and it drives Giant Baba down, maybe to the guardrail, but he's down. And everyone ringside is going nuts because they're, they're seeing their paycheck like go up in smoke. They're like, "Oh my god, is he okay?" Because he's <sighs> the guy who signs all our checks, and they just rush over to see if he's okay. But and this crowd. Right off the bat, before even the bell rings, they're going nuts because they've never seen anyone do that to Baba. Yeah, and 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 from personal experience, you know, I've had a promoter, actually a promoter here in Canada, who said, you know, one time I asked him, like, how how would you like me to start my match? And he said, I think it would get really hot if you just jump the guy right off the beginning and dive out onto him. No one would expect it in this kind of stylistic match. And and here it works. It's the same thing, you know. Who would expect Tenru to dive out onto Baba? I'd like that you you reference the metaphor of what was it? It's less than six months before yeah. he's gone, right? You know, yeah. early 1990 and he's off to SWS. And, uh, and yeah, there, I don't know, there's five or six young boys all in the matching tracksuits who are attending to Baba for, 
five, 10 minutes, something like that. I don't know. It's a while. Well, I, I, I'm sure it feels like an eternity for Russia Kimura because now this has now become a handicap match because now Russia Kimura is in the ring by himself with both Tenru and Stan Hansen. And I have my notes. Oh my God, he is fucked because <laughs> these are two of the stiffest wrestlers in the history of wrestling, let alone all Japan. And Rush Kimura. How old is Rush Kimura at this point? I didn't look. look. I think he's a little younger, but like he's <laughs> right around he's right around fifty as well. For- he's right around fifty, and he's gonna be in there with Hanson and Tender. He looks a little bit more spry. It's funny though, you can tell who's who pays the checks though, because don't get me wrong, they they give it to Baba. There's some some pretty hard chops. There's one sequence in particular where they take turns chopping Baba, but you can tell that they're like, okay, Kamara, you can take a little bit more of a beating than Baba can. Cause there's, I mean, there's some real hard lariats, some real hard kicks. Like they do not take it easy on Kamara. Not, no. not, not whatsoever. So, so Tenru basically starts the assault by, by attacking Kimura with chops and stomps. Hansen bludgeons him with stiff forearms and kicks. But, you know, Kimura, he's a tough dude. He's like shoe leather. He valiantly fights back with the only thing he can really do which are headbutts. So he yep. just, he starts headbutting Tenru, grabbing his hair and trying to exact revenge for, for Baba. Uh, there, there's a bulldog by Kimura for, for two count. Unbelievable. Uh, Hansen tags in, but Kimura just has a headbutts and Irik waiting for him. This is, is a very simple offense, but, but my God, it works for this man, for, for Russia Kimura. I, I like, I'm I'm all about you know minimalism and I'm all about maximizing uh, minimal output right and like if you were in there with those two and you had the skill set of Rush Kimura and you're you know that advanced in age you throw what you can and the man made his living on headbutts so you throw headbutts and and they're effective to a point but uh, but yeah that's kind of his bread and butter and that's what he what he does to take it to those two. For a little bit of variety, though, uh, there is a lariat by Rush Kimura on Stan oh, Hansen. I remember that. And, and, and Kimura tries to open up Hansen with these punches. Uh, it, it's weird. This is the point in the match where I feel like Hansen's just like, what do I do with this guy? Because he looks very confused at, yep. at, 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 in this point of the match with, with Kimura being on the offense on him. Because I'm sure usually like, Hansen's the one dominating him in, in tag matches or whatever. Uh but it, it it also comes kind of kind of across like in the kayfabe sense, like I I I can't believe this guy's still fighting back. I like every everything me and Ten were doing isn't keeping him down. So there's kind of that as well. It was like in the kind of like if you if you kind of want to keep it kayfabe, yeah. In, in the way you want to watch it, it's like okay, he's really like throwing them off their game now because they don't expect this kind of retaliation from from Kimura on onto them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what leads to, you know, kind of things escalating, right? Honestly. And, and that's leave it to Stan Hansen to, to escalate things into a, basically a bar fight and, uh, and do what he has to do. But yeah, it's, um, it's absolutely storytelling. It's, it's escalating. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure it wasn't laid out, you know, spot for spot, but I'm sure it was like, okay, we're going to sell for this guy. And then we're going to have to come at him even harder from different angles with new levels of brutality uh, to, you know, even the score. And and that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, so Hanson's like not knowing what to do with Kimura. So he tags in Tenru who levels Kimura with, with a layer of his own. Uh, Tenru rains down chops, but you know, Kimura keeps fighting back with his headbutts. The crowd are into this fight. 
and start chanting Kimura's name, which is like, it's just great, great to see. Cause I, I would assume that he doesn't get that many chants of his name. Like, like probably this, not, not this by, raucous, not by that. right. This loud. Yeah. Uh, Tenryu hits his uh, signature enzigiri, which I love. I like how it's kind of like just just comes across. He doesn't like he doesn't do it like most other people do, like like how Owen Hart did his, or how like someone like like Kawada would do one, or or Jushin Liger or someone like that. He just kind of just kind of does like kind of a hooking version of the enzigiri. I refer to it as an old man falling out of bed, but um, it's literally he doesn't even leave his feet really until like the last possible minute. Once the one foot has gotten up high enough to make contact, then he leaves his feet. It's not even really a jump. It's just kind of, uh, yeah, there's a kind of a crescent motion. It's, it's beautiful in its, in its, you know, kind of earnestness, I guess it's cause it's not really beautiful, but it's, it works. And it's distinctly tender. Like it's definitely, I, I've never seen anyone else try and do it like him. So. I don't think it would work for anyone else. I think because he's just like, I'm going to, I like this move. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the way the way I can do it. And he doesn't try to be something that he's not, which is, which is fine. Which is one of the great things about Tenru. He, yep. he has such a great simplistic moveset, but it's so effective because his timing in everything he does is, is so good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, so from here, Hansen comes in and tosses Kimura to the outside. And this is where, this is the escalation you're talking about, Daniel. He bashes <laughs> Kimura's head into the railing, which is probably what, what causes Kimura to bleed, but maybe not because there's, there's more. The, the big Texan then sets up one of those Japanese folding tables, which don't have much give. And I don't, as far as I know, they are not gimmicked back in the, back in the eighties. No, I don't think uh, so. And, and, and he proceeds to ram Kimura's head into this table. Uh, Tenru then throws a table into Kimura's head, and Hansen does it again because why not? He's Stan Hansen, and he he's known for this. Hansen continues with the destruction of Rush Kimura's head. We we then cut to a shot. I think just to to you know maybe give the audience. Uh, watching on television or a bit of a break we see a shot of baba being treated with cold spray and and all the young boys are still like oh my god is he gonna be okay which is great it's a great scene for like well what about baba I mean, we might have forgotten about baba because kimura's just been beaten beaten to a bloody pulp like literally by hansen and tenru at this point so we we we, we need to get back to f- focusing on baba which is also smart because you know baba's not done but I was not, we're going we're gonna to get to it, but sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, 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 go ahead. Go, go ahead. Uh, but I, ha- I have my notes. Kimura, Kimura's head is indestructible <laughs> as he makes his comeback against these two with headbutts. Yes. Unbelievable. Yep. Uh, bl- now at this point, they're bloody headbutts. Is yes. Thing, right. It's, he is bleeding at this point. Yeah. They literally like, they actually, they take the table and they like rest it up against the post on the outside. So it's got nowhere to go. And probably slam his head into there, I don't know, 10 times, something like that. And then, yeah, I mean, he he bleeds as one does, which blood in all Japan was a little bit more commonplace in the 80s. By the time of the, you know, 
the primary focus of your show in the 90s. We're not getting as much blood in, in all Japan pro wrestling. I, I think that adds a nice uh, added layer of, of drama to the match. And, and like I said, you know, he, he uh, attacks them with headbutts early on. They try to slow him down by literally bashing his head in. And he still comes back attacking them with more headbutts because he's Russia Kimura. And even though he's old, he's resilient and he's bled a lot in his lifetime. Like he kind of made his name as like a brawler and, and a, a tough guy uh, back in IWE. And, you know, you'd see later on, you know, when he was doing those comedy matches, he had a real nasty forehead. So, yes. um, you know, not quite Abdullah the Butcher level, but approaching. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I can't imagine it really. He probably didn't even blade, honestly. It's probably just scar tissue and, and impact on that table got him going. And I mean, it, it is it's pretty brutal to watch like yeah. being ran into like this table constantly by Tenru and Hansen to the point is it, it kind of reminded me of like the, the match that, you know, Nigel McGuinness has with Daniel, Brian Danielson. I'll take wood over steel any day. Oh yeah. towards getting my head rammed in, but yeah, it's approaching that level of extreme for sure. And like, there's no hands, hands up. Like it's, oh, no. yeah, it's not Russia Kimura. No, he'd be no. like, no, nah. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm going to go straight into this. Like brutal. This table. Yeah. And then, no hands up as he's making this comeback and, and more headbutts, uh, you know, just trying to, to get back to his partner who, yeah, <laughs> we do see him getting the cold spray on the floor. There's also a moment where they cut and he's still got the row on this whole time. That's the other thing. And one of the young boys has got, I don't know if he's got like a compress or something, but he's like massaging his like rib cage and, and I just thought it's so it's so lovingly, but obviously it's his you know it's his it's his sensei it's his you know it's the, the well he's their father too like he yeah he, he he has adopted most of this roster because he didn't have children of his own so he thought of his wrestlers as as his kids so especially at that age they're probably like maybe you know they're like oh this guy's are essentially our dad yeah you know? strict and, dad and he but, got steamrolled by by tenor. Right. By Tenru. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, so Kimura's making his comeback, but Tenru cuts it off, and it's back to being a two-on-one beating on Kimura. And uh, and this is a masterclass from Tenru and Henson on getting heat on an opponent. They basically this has been a handicap match, Daniel, and it's just great because it's not it's not boring. This no. this this beating. No, it, it's they they he gets his Kimura gets his comebacks. They sell for him, and then at the right time they cut him off and then they just take turns brutalizing him. And it, but it's, it, it remains entertaining because if you think of a squash match, like sometimes, you know, someone's dominating another person in a wrestling match. It's not always interesting all the time because it's like, okay, it's just, they're just dominating there. There's no drama to the match, but this, this has drama for the entire time that Kimura's getting beaten, coming back, getting beaten again. It's it's kinetic, and that's where a lot of people nowadays like I I've seen way more than my fair share of of boring heat segments, not just in tag matches but in singles matches as well because you don't have a kinetic um, babyface or or you know person selling working as the underdog whatever you want to call them, um, but like Kimura is you know it's very similar to, you know, what people refer to as the Ricky Steamboat rule, right? Ricky Steamboat was big about never giving an opponent, you know, two or three bits of offense before he would even throw a punch, some form of, you know, you're showing life. And, and I do that 
now when I'm when I'm teaching younger wrestlers, I I will uh, make an analogy to UFC or or any kind of uh, real fighting. If someone is stagnant, if someone doesn't move, if someone's not responsive, the fight's over, right? The referee stops it because they're not defending themselves, right? So why in this simulated form of a fight, why would we not defend ourselves? Why would we not even just attempt a comeback? You don't necessarily have to be successful at it, but you at least have to show that you're in this fight. You're still attempting to, to make that tag or, or muster enough offense or whatever it is, right? So uh, I just think that can be a lost art at times. And, and I think Rusher does a really good job and they do a great job. Like they sell, you would think these two guys, Tenru and Hansen, as big of stars as they are, as tough as they are, they obviously don't have egos when it comes to selling for these legendary wrestlers from the previous decade, because a lot of people would sort of, you know, they'd look at Kimura, they'd look at Baba and go, uh, you know, but they must have the reverence for these guys because they really did pave the way and they were stars of a, of a bygone era. And they recognize like, you know, maybe one day we'll be in these, this situation and we'll want people, the younger generation to sell for us. So, you know, they do just such a good job of ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And they, and they really do have just an, an interesting, I, I hate handicap matches. And this is essentially two back-to-back handicap matches and both of them are just so completely enthralling and exciting the entire time. I think also we should mention like Rush Kimura's facials are unbelievable. He yes. has so much personality just from the pain that he exhibits on his face, especially when the blood comes out. Like, but the struggle that he will not like he you're gonna have to kill him to basically yep. stop this match, like for you to be And I would man. believe and, I would believe that. He, he Oh yeah. He gets that across, you know? It's the, the facial expressions are so important. It's, it, like I think Baba must teach something in the dojo about facial expressions because you got like so many great people who have facial expressions in all Japan. Like, you know, in this case, it would be like Kimura, but he, not that he was trained in all Japan dojo, but maybe he taught facial expressions to people like Kawada or something like well, that. Well, and like Kawada and Kobashi are both all timers when it comes to that stuff. Right. So, I mean, it, there's definitely, that's something that was passed on. Absolutely. I have to imagine. Uh, from this point, Tenru lays the boots to the cut on Kimura's head, just being a vicious bastard. Uh, Baba finally rises from his uh, prone state on, on, on the ground, and this crowd is electric, just goes completely electric to see that he might actually be part of this match, that he, he's okay, because everyone loves Giant Baba. He's, yep. a, he's a cultural icon, not just in wrestling, but in the culture of Japan. Like People know who he is, who Inoki is. They yep. know who Stan Hansen is. Like you might not even be a wrestling fan. You know who Stan Hansen is. That's the kind of penetration that Stan Hansen had. But like have that's you, the kind have of. Have you ever seen the giant the statue of him? Where I'm suplexing the the, the, yeah, the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I not in person, but I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's on the bucket list too. Okay, see that good. Statue good. In person. We're gonna go to I've Japan. Seen, we're gonna see all these things. So. We're gonna see. We're gonna. I'm gonna go see the whatever new gun life size Gundam they have in 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 Tokyo Odaiba. And then we're going to we'll go wherever the statue is and, and get some uh, ramen or uh, yakiniku. It, it'll, be, it'll be fun, my friend. Uh, but yeah, this, this so he, he gets up. Uh, Tenru runs Kimura's head into Stan Hansen's elbow. There's a shoulder tackle by Hansen. Hansen kicks Kimura in the head, because why not? Uh, Tenru stiff chops him uh, to give a bit of variety to the assault, because like, uh, you know, it can't just be kicks. you got to chop him. And I love 
Tenry's chops. They are so loud. And he he's up there with like for me, like Kobashi and Kensuke Sasaki throwing chops is it's just like and it's 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 a, it's a crisp sound, but it's also you can see like when he contacts, there's like this it's it's a it's kind of like getting hit with a like I don't know, like lead or something like that as well, I feel. They're, he's an all-timer, and those chops are absolutely hard. And I think he's like, I've never, you know, seen him live, but I think he's like, you kind of low rate. I think he's a really big man. Like, I, I get the impression, you know, he was a former sumo, but I, I think he, uh, he's got a lot of of power to throw behind those chops. You know, I mean, so. he's he's. I think of similar size to Jumbo. Yeah, I mean, Jumbo's a big dude, like yeah. the Japanese guy. Big Japanese guys, right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Baba is finally on the apron, and the, and the crowd intensity rises. Uh, Tenru sees this and keeps kicking Kimura in the head. And as uh, as Hansen goes for a cover, Baba comes in, and, 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 like not into the ring, but he just puts his his leg through the ropes and stops on Hansen's head, and, and it pops his crowd because they're like, "Yeah, Baba did something." Uh, Baba is all fired up. This is great. This is. One of my favorite parts is all fired up from the sneak attack from Tenru and the mugging that Tenru and Hansen have been perpetrating on Kimura throughout this entire match. And he he wants to get in. He wants to beat the shit out of these two. Uh, at one point, uh, no, sorry, Tenru and Hansen just keep assaulting the cut on Kimura's heads with elbows, knees, and stuff. So that's their focus, not just, you know, like his head in general. They're focusing on the cut on his yep. head. They just want to make him like, you know, pass out from blood, blood, blood uh, deprivation or, or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. That's how great this match is. But at one point, uh, Tenru drops his uh, top rope backwards elbow for a two count. Uh, Tenru hits his enziguri and decides to chop Baba on the apron. And now Baba is even more pissed than before. And this crowd really, really wants to see Baba in this match. And it's great. Uh- it's the it's you know we're we're building the kid the kettle's about to boil we're we're getting to that point where uh we're gonna get that hot tag and and everyone's just gonna come unglued and and yeah it's it's a really nice like natural progression right you know we have uh like baba sells that tope forever but then he doesn't just you know he's back on the apron and he immediately gets in like but he's also rubbing his rubbing his side as well like he's still selling it and like and you know yeah he's back on the apron but like kimura needs to find an opportunity to to get to him you know like i think it's it's not instant gratification right we we make the people um it's like i don't know storytelling back in the day it was it, it paid off um People had had more patience, I feel. <laughs> and- but I, I do think there is like with Tenru going to attack, sneak attack Baba on the apron. Yeah. That that adds that dynamism and like can, you're the kinetic aspect that you're talking about. Yeah, here. and and that's like a classic, you know, Southern style tag thing. You know, where if you you're getting heat on someone and you try to go the other guy in, or you you know hit him off the apron, or um, I say Southern style, but it became, you know, it became a thing in all Japan very much yeah. for sure that they used all the time. Um, but yeah, that just, uh, that just prolongs the inevitable and, and just builds anticipation. And certainly this crowd were just eager to finally get that tag. Oh, well, they don't have to wait long because at this point, Tenru charges into the corner, but instead of connecting with uh, Kimura the way he wants to, Kimura, uh, he, 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 he has a headbutt waiting for Tenru. And from there, he, he's able to finally tag in 
giant Baba. And uh, Daniel, this has to be one of the greatest hot tags in the history of wrestling. I, and I'm not being high, being certainly high, you know, from a 50 year old man. I, I think it's up there. We might not have the, the kind of athleticism that you would see from certain, you know, classic hot taggers, you know, rock and roll express or, or more modern examples. But, uh, but he just unloads with like, you know, 10 minutes of pent up, you know, selling on the floor and, and seeing what they're doing to his partner. And it's like every, it's like, a giant Baba unloading the clip, like, like picture that in your head. And it's that times 10, honestly. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. But I'm also talking about like the crowd reaction to this tag. It's yep. pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's honestly, yeah, it's great. And it's like, how often do you see this guy, especially at this point in his career in this scenario, you know, like where they really do this masterful job of, of, building anticipation in the crowd so when they finally get to see him like he is a legend like you say and you know he's someone who kept himself on the shows but really you know by this point he's not working a ton of main events and it's it's almost like a a homage to foregone you know like times where he was a a main eventer and he was a superstar and and maybe we're going to get to see him do it again you know for for old time's sake so baba's house of fire he hits tenru with a big boot and gives one to Hansen for his troubles. There's a Russian leg sweep by Baba. Uh, Hansen breaks up the pin attempt. Baba attacks Hansen, but here comes Tenru to cut him off. Then they, this is where they start double teaming Baba, but with the big boots and and the the Russian leg sweep, like the crowd are getting, uh, you know, Baba's greatest hits in in this in this hot tag, and they're and they're going crazy. They love it. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. It's it's. Uh... It's, but, but the same thing, you know, we, we, uh, it almost turns into, we, we get this amazing hot tag and then it becomes like, it's a fight. It's very back and forth. And like, they sell a really well for Baba and it's, it, it's really, um, yeah, dynamic, you know, and it's, uh, that kind of carries on throughout the rest of the match. And, and Baba is kind of treated like, you know, like a superhero that he bites off these two guys. Cause now the rules have been reversed Kimura's on the floor being tended to by the young boys. I don't know. He he eventually does get up on the side of the apron, but for the most part, he's he's donezo for, for this match. So, you know, Baba does continue hitting, like, they start double-teaming him, but he's, he's able, like you're saying, he fights back. He hits a lot of his other signature moves, like uh, the part where he drives his opponent's head into his calf with, like, a stomp. Yep. Uh, the Baba, the giant Baba overhead chop, classic. Yep. The, the, the kind of the dropping neckbreaker that he does the, the diving neckbreaker drop is like it that's a low-key underrated move like bret hart would do it obviously but like not a ton of people ever have used that move i, I i've always loved that move i think it's for baba it's, it, it looks great because of his height you know i i think you're and and just his mass right like is that that wide torso that doesn't really match the proportions for the rest of his body kind of driving him and his opponent down to the mat it, it's it's a cool looking move. Yeah, uh, Hansen is able to to cut off this comeback because he ta- he starts attacking Baba's bad ribs with a chair. Yeah. Uh, Baba, but Baba gets the abdominal stretch on Tenru, and 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 Hansen comes in, breaks it up to to a chorus of boos from the fans. They they don't want to see their beloved hero Giant Baba be be treated this way with bad sportsmanship on the hand at uh, you know on the part of Stan Hansen here. Uh, Tenru slaps. The bad ribs and Baba comes back with another overhand chop. 
uh, Hansen tags in and goes for the ribs as well. So now it's like, you know, first they, they targeted Kimura's head and then his, the cut on his head. And now beautiful psychology. Just we got the ribs on Baba. Let's go for those. I it's yeah, it's, it's a masterclass. Honestly, it's, it's just so, um, and, and at the same time, like it's not, I don't think it's obvious or, you know, over like, yes, that's what they're doing. And, and that's the selling that's happening, but it's not this like melodramatic, you know, the, the selling is very natural and, and subtle. And like, you know, you, you would could watch this match and not even really notice like, Oh, that's the story of this match. You just be like, well, these two guys are just kicking this guy's ass, but there is this little, uh, this added layer kind of woven through that it's just smart. It's, you know, that's what makes, you know, that's what takes a good match and, and makes it a great match as far as I'm concerned. You know, just added added depth that you pick up upon repeat viewing. So there's lots of back and forth between the Tenru Hansen team going for Baba's ribs and and Baba each time valiantly fighting back with his signature offense. That And each time he hits a signature move, it pops the audience every time. They love it. At, at one point, they hit a double shoulder tackle and then double suplex him. Yep. And then hit an awkward looking spike pod driver. And I think at this point, the crowd are like freaking out because, oh my God, he is taking these types of bumps for these guys. Spike pile driver's big. They, they don't, luckily they don't really get, get all of it. You know, I can't imagine holding up giant Baba. Like that's a big, heavy frame. And Tender's a strong guy, obviously. I mean, he gets them up a little later on, spoilers, but um, holding him up for a pile driver, waiting for Hansen to jump off. They don't fully get the full spike. Luckily for Baba, Baba's sake probably, but but still, that's a big big move for someone like that to be taking and and kicking out of. So you gotta imagine that this is these these moves that he's taking from them. This is all his idea because like I can't see Tenro oh. Hansen suggesting, "Hey, can we do these to you?" He's probably like, "Oh." Hit, do the double superplex on me, uh, double suplex on me, and hit me with a spike driver. I, I have to imagine he's he's in the back saying like, okay, we're really gonna make the people make make the people have a, a memorable moment. You know, when's the last time you saw Baba take a beating like this? You know, I think I'm sure I'm sure he felt it the next day, but like he, you know, he knew this was gonna be a special match, and there was one moment like I just love how how good they work as a tandem. Like I, we need more tender and Hanson. Like, honestly, their, their run as a tag team is, is too short. short because they work so well as a team. There's one moment where they take turns, like chopping Baba in the ropes and tender is naturally right-handed and Hanson's naturally left-handed. So they're throwing them from either sides with equal force. Uh, that segment ends really beautifully with Tenru running into a Baba boot and selling it like amazingly, like spit goes flying in the air. And then there's another moment where they take turns just trading elbow drops on this poor, poor guy. Like, cannot get up. And they probably hit, between the two of them, 10 elbow drops in, in succession. And it's just like, these are big guys moving at, like, a clip. And, it, yeah, I want to see more of them. I, maybe the secret is having to track down more of that real-world tag league. I mean, the finals is great. Uh, you know what? I watched, I watched the match they had in Cork and Hall. Yeah, it was it was Hanson and Tenru versus Saruta and a young Kenikobashi, and wow. it's awesome. It's on YouTube. That, it's easily cool. it's easy to find. It was I was just like, oh, I watch a bit of this and finish it later. I I just kept watching it. It was that, that sounds good. Great. I'll, I'll great. watch it. After, I'll watch it after this. Yes, it's it's and and honestly, like 
I, at some point, I'm going to review because I, I reviewed the finals of this tag league, mm-hmm. uh, Saruta and Yatsu versus Hansen and Tenru for a different show for yeah. someone else's podcast, but I'm going to do it for this show at some point in the future. It's so and, amazing. What a and, great match. It's a, it's a great match. Like it, it gets kind of overshadowed because the 88 finals is what everyone talks about, which is, you know, Tenru and Kawada versus Hansen and Gordy. Yeah. Some people say is the best, you know, match in the eighties for all, for all, all of Walter Japan, Right. Um, so 89 gets overlooked quite often. Right. But it's, you know, it's just as good. It's a, it's a, uh, great, yeah. I think like Yoshiaki Yatsu would, will like blow people's minds because I don't think he gets enough credit for he what an amazing wrestler. He was such a good wrestler. You know, a great, great team with Tenru, great team with, uh, or not Tenru, great team with uh, Choshu. Choshu, yeah. Choshu and great team with Saruda. And, and yeah, like, I mean, I certainly didn't have a frame of reference for him until I got deeper into my fandom because when I first started watching Japanese wrestling, he was running his own promotion, the Social Progress or whatever the, the <laughs> internet was. He was basically a glorified jobber in pride, losing to our fellow Canadian Gary Goodridge uh, and taking just like horrific beatings in the process. So, um, and subsequently, like I think he's lost a leg, maybe. He's lost a leg, but he's still he's still he. I I seen him walking with a prosthetic, and he's uh, wrestling with a prosthetic in that, DDT. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, he's doing okay. But but yeah. Anyways, underrated wrestler. He's running underrated. Very underrated yeah. for sure. But but back to this match. Uh, Tenru and Hansen uh, keep the hits coming because they hit a power bomb double team, and Baba goes down. Um, at, at one point, Kimura grabs Hansen by the leg, uh, as like I think Hansen's shooting into the ropes. Yeah, Hansen and Kimura sees his opportunity to try to help Baba by grabbing by the leg to prevent him from, I guess, hitting the lariat. Yep. But but Hansen frees himself and decides, hey, Kimura, fuck you, hits him with the sick looking Western lariat that, uh, you know, I think this is what knocks him down to the ring, back yep. to the floor again, yep. and then, uh, Hit uh, Tenru hits another enziguri on Baba and hits the ropes twice to charge at Baba, but is this is great? He hits he like hits one side of the ropes, hits the other side of the ropes because he's he's like building up speed and power. But as he's about to hit Baba, Baba is ready to hit him with his big boot, and it's glorious. Yep, yep, and that's that's the spot that they actually go to it twice. The first time Tenru just kind of runs in eats it second time he tries to build up a little more momentum and still eats it so it's uh, yeah it's amazing and if i'm am i incorrect is that does hansen come charging in shortly thereafter or so hansen's going for for like a, a, a lariat like close yes. to the ropes because bob is close to the ropes but uh, baba ducks under hansen's lariat and, yep. and this sends hansen all the way out to the rope and i was like afraid he was gonna like land on his head by from his own momentum on outside the ring he he's shockingly i mean into the 90s he was doing topes he was you know still pretty agile for a very big man but yeah he he takes it it goes flying over the top ropes to the floor and here we are we're left with you know the owner of of all japan and one of the biggest stars of all japan tenru and, and baba left in the ring to, to duke it out yeah so uh you know, Tenro's attempting to do a, another power bomb on him this time by himself, it, but Baba's able to backdrop his way out of this. Uh, but Tenru holds on, uh, holds on. So like he kind of backdrops it, but Tenru keeps his grip around keeps Baba's grip. He keeps his grip around amazing. He rolls over and rolls through it, I should say, and then he hits what I say is a terrifying looking 
power bomb that almost turns into like an early version of the Ganzo bomb. Not not quite, thank God, or yeah. or kind of a, 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 a early version of the Tiger Driver 91. Doesn't hit that either. Thank thank God for Baba. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do make a note that this looks like it's an inch away from breaking Baba's neck, this power bomb. Uh, thankfully for Baba, because he's so big, there's not the kind of force that we would associate with the Gonzo bomb or the Tiger Driver 91, where it's like just like up and then driving straight down. It's like power bomb doesn't quite get him to where it is. It's a nasty angle. Don't get me wrong. He lands him basically just right on his neck and folds all of his body weight over. Even if it, you know, even if he hadn't dropped him from a height, I think he wasn't kicking out just from the, you know, his entire weight and Tenru pressing down on him. Right. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's the first time I ever saw Giant Baba take a power bomb. Certainly, yes. so maybe the only time. Like I can't think of him doing too many, especially post eighty nine at this point in his. Probably in his not. Life. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it looks like it would keep him down for a three. Yeah, and it it does one two three. Tenru Jeter Tenru has pinned Giant Baba in twenty minutes and twenty two seconds. Tenru is the only Japanese wrestler to have pinned Giant Baba in any kind of context in an all Japan ring. So t- singles tags, whatever he's the it, only Japanese wrestler in, ever done this. in this match. Or is that, had he done it before or since this is the only time, this is the only time any Japanese wrestler has. I, pinned. See, I didn't even have that context. So that's, that's amazing. Like I'm discovering this now. I didn't even realize, okay, so I, I picked a great match for this show. Yeah, it's, uh, Historically, <laughs> it's very important because this is the prelude to six months later, Tenry is going to leave all Japan to form yes. SWS. And then after that folds uh, war, and then he becomes a journeyman and he, he ends up in new Japan for pro wrestling for a while. And he, in, in new Japan, he pins Antonio Inoki and he's the only person, the both? only wrestler in history to have pinned, to have pinfall victories over both giant Baba and Antonio Inoki. And like, I mean, I don't know what, if I think that alone, forget the fact that he's, such an amazing wrestler and has been part of so many great matches and, and helped really launch a lot of careers in wrestling. Yep. If you think about like just from war alone, yep. but to, to be able to say I hold victories over pinfall victories, it doesn't matter tag or singles. Like Baba said, you're going to pin me yep. to Ruta. Who is his, fa- his favorite. Yep. Never got to pin Baba. Ten and- pinned Baba. And to think, like, Kimura's right there. Kimura could have taken the fall. Oh, yeah. And you would and, think that that's Kimura what... took lots of falls in this tournament, right? But, yeah. You would think that would be the finish, wouldn't you? Like, that, that Kimura's, oh, Kimura's going to tag back in, and he's going to. Yeah. But you're right. Like, I was mistaken. Like, Kimura never tags back into this match. It's just one. It's just it's a single <laughs> tag. Single a single tag, tag from the yeah. Babyface team is unreal. It's so amazing. But, yeah, Tenru, Inoki, and Baba, like I, I think about that just right now. I'm just like blown away. That's that crazy. He's in. He's like. He's also like one of the few people to hold, you know, the the IWGP Heavyweight Title and the All Japan uh, Triple Crown. I, I just wish like Misawa like said, you know what, you can hold the GHC title the GHC. for like for like a month because then he would have been the first Grand Slam. Yeah. Of, of, Ken, of Japanese Ken's wrestling. That though, right? I think Kensuke was. First and then Mudo. Oh yes. And then then or I yeah, then Takiyama and now yeah. and now Kojima. Yeah. 
is 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 part of that Grand Slam club. And I, I kind of keep keep it exclusive. Don't don't let too many people into that. Club. Don't water it down. No, yeah. no, no. Keep it, it doesn't special. mean as much as as when those guys who had the reigns in in the nineties and the two thousands, early two thousands, right? So, um, you say that you know he launched a lot of careers, and he obviously did it with War. Even some names that people don't necessarily associate with War, who are still going to the to this day, like uh, Tomohiro Ishii. But uh, uh, inadvertently, he kind of helped strap the rocket to Misawa as well, because Tenru leaving is what forced Baba's hand to having to push more of the younger talent going into the 90s. And that's why we get that classic Misawa win over Jumbo Saruta mm-hmm. at uh, Budokan Hall in, in June of 1990, right? So For sure. I mean, like, if you talk about, like, people that got their start with Tenru in, his, in war, there's... Masaki Mochizuki there's not not kind of I still think even like Ultimo Dragon even though he was had a career before but like being in war and yes. having the matches with Chris Jericho Chris Jericho got his start in Japan with yep. war same with Lance Storm yep. uh, you know uh, Ghetto and Jado because they were aligned with Samson Fuyuki I think first in war and then they they kind of branch out to do FMW later on join FMW yep. afterwards the, the first promotion Japanese promotion to bring over Rey Mysterio Jr. Psychosis yep. Juventud Guerrera was was war so yeah there's a great story I don't know if you've ever heard from Lance Storm where he's like he's like he says Tenru is the best boss he's ever had in wrestling I've heard that before yes yeah. because like he's in Japan when his first child is born and Tenru says oh I heard you your bait you, your wife just had your first child congratulations shakes his hand and in Lance Storm is like a giant wad of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, the kind of guy he was. But uh, I have a little surprise that I actually dug up for this. I was going to oh? show before we get off of the subject of 1980s All Japan. But I don't think I've ever shown this like online or I've never taken a picture to post on Twitter. But I dug it up. This was something that years and years ago I was at a friend's house and they had this just hanging up in their bathroom. And didn't understand the context of it whatsoever. And I said, you have to give this to me. And so I'll show it now. I don't know how well it's going to show up on, on the camera, but this is a, an all Japan pro wrestling 15th anniversary. So 1987. Wow. It's a bath towel with the entire roster as caricatures of, of that is freaking amazing. Oh my God. Front front and center. Front of center is Baba and Saruta and Tenru. They're all on there. So there you go. Please send a picture of that to me. I got to well, see I'll, it. In I'll fl- take a better picture so you yeah. can zoom in on it. Yeah, that's but, amazing. Uh, it's, well, it's hey, we get one of my most prized possessions. So we get a lot of exclusives on this on on this show from, <laughs> from Daniel Makave here, including like this incredible rare towel of yep. from All Japan's. 15th anniversary, amazing. Just using as a towel for like a decade before I discovered and said, you have to give it to me and stop drying yourself with it. Well, thank God you saved it from from fading from too many uh, drying It's pretty faded already, but yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, that brings us to the end of this match. And, and I, I, my thoughts are like, again, I've, I've said it. It's it's a masterclass in getting yep. heat, in in building towards uh, a hot tag. And if if you're into wrestling, uh, like being becoming a wrestler or are, are a wrestler, you're watching this. Like th- watch this match if you haven't already, and, study and just it. study it. Study it. Yep. It's, it's a really great great example of how to be great a great great heel tag team, but yep. also just how to be an amazing 
underdog baby faces from both Kimura and Baba. We I don't want to just like you know forget Kimura because he's he's so amazing and integral to this match as well. He sets the table and then Baba you know kind of carries on. Yeah, but it's I, I love it. There's literally a single tag, and if you told me going into a match there's going to be a single tag, and both baby faces are just going to take ten minutes apiece getting their butt kicked. I think that doesn't sound all that interesting or dynamic, but I assure you it is both things. The selling is amazing. Uh, the heat is amazing. And the psychology is amazing as we've gone over. And it's an underrated match. And, and people don't talk about it as much. So I figured, you know, you can have your 6394s and your 6995s and uh, your 12696s, which is my personal favorite of the lot. We've already done that match with uh, Brandon Thurston. Uh, but I'll I'll uh, I'll take this underrated tag match from 1989. 1129.89. We'll we'll make it famous. We'll make that, we those numbers famous. I, but, I, I uh, hope it's going to hold up to those other numbers. Well, hey, you know what? Like <laughs> apparently, like a, a lot of people in wrestling like this show. Yeah, I, great. I I like I don't. I'm always amazed, like when people tell me, "Oh yeah, like so and so likes." I was going to say you you've had I mean you had Kingston on the show obviously so uh who's you know obviously uh one of the more outspoken fans of the style so yeah. someone who I was lucky enough to wrestle in Germany right before the pandemic so uh very very nice guy so I I'm hoping to to meet up with him maybe uh either in Chicago for for all out week as as, as we record this we're about a week out from from me traveling there with Mike Murray, or or maybe I'm gonna meet up with with Eddie here in Toronto when AEW comes. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Sense. Yep. Well, you know what? I hope you can make it out to Toronto at some point, and then we can meet up again and yeah, get a something couple to years. Eat. It's been a, a couple, couple years, years. And, and maybe yeah. we could actually. I mean, we had a nice conversation at the venue, but it'd be nice to actually spend a little bit of time and yeah. uh, get a bite to eat. And yeah, I I plan on, you know, if we're in the same country, we're obviously very far apart from one another. Yeah, definitely. Country, yeah. But but yeah, I, I would I would love that. I appreciate it. And the same goes for you. If you ever have a layover on your way to Japan and you're staying in Vancouver, uh, yeah, I would love yep. to show you around Vancouver. So. That'd be awesome, dude. Yeah. But uh, I, I didn't want to give you a chance to plug because, you know, you, you kind of um, made some announcements recently at, at wrestling shows about the, kind of the status of your career. If you just want to, I don't know, like talk about it uh, yeah. with, with our, our listeners. Absolutely. So for those unaware, um, you know, I recently made a bit of a a public statement as a part of the SCI weekend in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, If you haven't seen those shows, check them out uh, over on IWTV, which is a great streaming service for independent wrestling. Um, uh, I suffered a pretty bad back injury this past June, and that um, is reminiscent of one I had like 10, 12 years ago. Um, And for the time being, I'm 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 done wrestling for for all of 2022. Just doing physical therapy and focusing on on getting healthy again. And then come 2023, uh, things are a little bit up in the air. At a minimum, I will have at least two more matches: one in Vancouver and one in Seattle, because those are are my homes. Basically, my Vancouver is my home. Seattle is my second home. Uh, my girlfriend lives in Seattle. I spent a lot of time in Seattle, and I truly made my name and wrestled some of my most amazing matches ever in Seattle. So. I really owe it to that city. Um, but uh, beyond that, I don't know. You know, what I'd love to wrestle in Toronto. I'd love, I never got to wrestle in Japan. I never got to wrestle in Mexico. I'd love to go back to Europe. These are all things I, I hope to do. But, uh, but I have a, a really uh, amazing life outside of wrestling. I have really amazing people in my life. And so those things are important too. So 
2023, it might be it. We don't know. We'll see how physiotherapy goes. But at a minimum, you got two more chances to see me. And if you don't already, please follow me on social media at Daniel Makabe uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And that's where you're going to find out where I'm at, what I'm doing, as well as, you know, I talk about music and, and yes. plug plug my friends, you know, like WH's podcasts or other friends of mine podcasts. You know, one of the reasons why I, I first heard about this match was uh, my friend Chris Zellner, who does an amazing podcast between the sheets with David Bix. Uh, I know Zellner's a big fan of this match. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to put over my friends and use my platform to, to help grow their platforms. So yourself included, I appreciate you having me on the show and, and I'm always glad to give you a retweet and, and a listen. So thanks. Well, definitely 2023 come back to the show. Absolutely. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the, the gimmick has to be you pick an ex- obscure match. doesn't necessarily have to be from the nineties. At this point, because that's from the eighties as well. We were the ones who had to upload the last match to YouTube, right? It wasn't even on YouTube, so oh, it's, well, still up, okay. it's still up there. Well, maybe we didn't. I didn't say that, but anyways, <laughs> check out if you haven't seen that last match and and episode two. Go back and listen to that. Yeah, that it's a great fun. great show. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to 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 plug here. Like you know, at WH Park Nine, uh, you know, post Perez, post wrestling. Thank, thank you for, here. For, for making this you know, all possible. John. I, I definitely right. think like if you come to Toronto and want to hang out, like I think I can I can wrangle uh John Pollock and waiting to, to come hang out with us and have I have a meal I with us. think that I'm a big enough draw that I can get those guys to, to come hang out. I think so. so. I think I think we can we can make it happen. You just give me a heads up about uh if you're if you're coming into Toronto, we can uh, make arrangements to get something cool to eat in the city with the uh with, with those at least definitely with at least one of those guys for sure all right for for everyone uh hey thank you for listening to the long winder row road thanks for supporting the the show thanks for for buying the t-shirt it's still available it's still popular uh we might be getting something new in before the end of the year i don't know i'm I'm kind of working on things ideas Uh, we'll see uh we're gonna working on some cool guests before the end of the year as well and uh yeah until next time thanks for watching and on behalf of daniel talk to you later bye bye say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill